This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we debate the Rolling Stone list of the greatest 500 songs of all time. We're going to dig into it through the course of the week this week, by the way. We discuss some of the top songs and how we might arrange the list if we had a chance to do it. Plus, we get into the Shift election, Nasty Tracker, and give a final tally of the party leaders on the nasty and the comments that they all got into. On In Case You Missed It with Ryan O'Donnell, Ryan discusses the youth vote ahead of the Canadian federal election, as well as continuing saga around Jeopardy. And don't forget, we also chat about woolly mammoths on Are You Okay? Also, Are You Okay? With Strong Liquor. All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. Brendan Kelly is here. Speaking of Psychedelic Sunday, are you all set with some fun ones, buddy? I am, and I decided to take four from the top, almost, well, it's from the top 100, but it's more like the top 70 uh, from the Rolling Stone released a list last week of the top 500 songs of all time. So I yeah. took some of the top psychedelic ones from that list. Ooh, yeah, that's that's fun. Really I fun. look forward to hearing some of those. So uh, Rolling Stone does this list as every year of a couple of years. They sort of update the songs from way back in the day that um, that are relevant today. And it changes. Joan Jett was sort of at the top of that list for a long time. I Love Rock and Roll was one of the biggest songs that sort of translated through all the eras. And so here we go with a, with another great conversation of the biggest songs. And does it, it crosses over all sorts of different genres, doesn't it? It really does. And I was surprised um, at some of the uh, choices in the top 10 and some of the choices in the top 100 that were recent which is always tough because you never know like a song endures for some time but some of them don't endure forever so i think uh, picking some of the more recent ones is always tough on lists like this and uh, some of them are pretty interesting yeah it is interesting too right and then you look at some god 10 years ago 15 years ago michael jackson's songs had carried over for like forever right as being relevant but now i don't think they would uh, the world has changed a little bit i don't think that some of those songs love them or not would still make that list but then you got bob marley who somehow just his his work has never sounded old in fact it at times it sounds more relevant today than it might have back in the day yeah, uh, both in sound and messaging in Bob Marley's music. it uh, yeah. It's almost timeless. Isn't that so amazing? So cool. Ryan O'Donnell is here as well. I know that you're super excited. I'm, 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 I don't know if you're shocked, but the Smiths did not make the top ten on that list. <laughs> uh, well, all four of their albums made it on the top 500 album list. And this is mm-hmm. the first time that Rolling Stone has updated this list in 17 years that was the last time they updated it oh wow yeah it's been a long time and i will say i've looked through it i think the songs that are on there are good the problem is the order some of the order is very questionable like for one billy a billy eilish song is 300 songs ranked higher than under pressure yeah by david bowie and queen but I think that the song they picked from Billie Eilish it deserves to be on that list. It's just not where they picked it. It is a fascinating read, though, and it's a good way to get heated, you know, because people are so it's, strong in their music love. It's a really good reminder, though, that our music bubble is not the music bubble, right? I, if you think back to your songs in high school and the songs that you loved back in the day, and you're like, this is the most amazing stuff ever, and then you go to another city, and they're like, what are you talking about? We never listened to that. 
totally different. And today's world a little bit more homogenized with the internet and all that stuff. But my daughter and her friends, they're listening to Queen. They're listening to the Rolling Stones, right? They're they're buying Guns N' Roses t-shirts because they think it's they think it's great music, right? So not only are they listening to Billie Eilish, they're listening to you know the the queen and the the, the queen and the rolling stones <laughs> get off my porch um so it just it's one of those things where our bubble is not the bubble and i would look at artists like Billie eilish from a global multi-generational perspective versus queen which might not cross all generations in all places uh, the, one of the best examples I was ever given was when I used to work in music radio, and this is a little bit of inside baseball on how music radio works. But in that, we used to always say, well, if you tested Lady Gaga in front of a country audience, it's still going to skyrocket to the top of the list because she's massive. But that doesn't mean it belongs there, right? So you have to remember some of these artists cross over. It's really kind of cool. And it, these kinds of lists allow us perspective to look at how certain songs have crossed over to places geographically and generations in ways that we could never have imagined. I mean, if you ask me if Lauren Hill uh, belongs in the top 50 of those songs, I don't know if I would put it in the top 50. I'd put it in the top 100, 150 maybe. But then Radiohead, some of the Radiohead songs that are in the top 50, I would look at them and go, what are you talking about? But then you look at Elton John, Tiny Dancer in the top 15, and you're like, yeah, of course. Right? So it's interesting. It's really interesting. Was there a, do you one of them in particular, Ryan, that surprised you the most? Surprised me. Uh, Blue Monday was only at like, I think, 233. And that yeah. song should be at least in the top 100, at least for yeah. the impact. And it's basically the, the synth pop song of all time. I mean, like, that was a little surprising also uh what was the other was in the top um uh there was a song by uh this like rock this old dad rock band and it was 50 places higher than songs like come as you are and it's just very weird it's almost like there shouldn't be a ranking of the songs there should be here are 500 of the greatest songs ever made in no particular order Hmm. that's what i think i think the biggest uh surprise for me is number two Public Enemy, Fight the Power. Great song. I was just surprised they'd put it at number two. It's very high. Maybe the message the today is equally as powerful, or maybe even as powerful today because it than it has been. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't think Notorious B.I.G. Juicy belongs in the top 40. I think there's an awful lot of songs from Notorious B.I.G. that belong there, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I um, I think that there's an awful lot of really cool, um, cool songs. But, I mean, if you look at... Um, well, Party and, and Bullshiz as the very first song that they ever did that was that made the charts, which created that whole world, that to me belongs there more so. That was one of the biggest impacting songs of that era that was sort of underground, had the massive impact, but didn't get a ton of radio play. And then you got Daddy Yankee Gasolina, which was a Spanish global monster of a hit, right? And so those ones being so close together like that, where one wasn't, one was uniquely American and one was international. That's where it gets interesting for me, right? So cool. I would say that we should build our own list of the top 500, but that sounds like a lot of work. And our list would be all over the place and there'd be way too much Smiths on it. Yeah. Yeah, way too much. 
at least 75, at least 75 of those songs would be Smith songs. So I think I got to take the bias out of here. I I think that would be number five. I think that would be number 501 to 505 on the list. We can give you that. Uh-huh. that. <laughs> Honorable mention, P.S. goes to, oh, goodness. This is the Shift Podcast. It's time to get nasty. Ryan, you do it better. You say it. You want me to say it? It's I want you to say it. Come on. Nasty. You got to get the <laughs> like, You know, it's got to be a little nasally. Yeah. yeah. Nasty. All right, so we have the nasty tracker. We've been doing it through the course of the election here. Um, let's hit the supercut. So what do you think? You deserve a say because this is your moment. I have expectations of us running a positive campaign. Isn't there a hospital you should be going to bother right now? Every Canadian has met a Justin Trudeau in their lives. Privileged, entitled, and always looking out number one you have to be honest with canadians i'm not very much interested in leading canada however i am very much interested in making sure that quebec is entitled to its own vision for the future and i, and I meant it when i said you can't take a knee one day if you're going to take indigenous kids to court the next he'll say anything to try and get elected it's nice to want to educate this me. is my time sir it is so nice time to insult people. That was not an insult. It was an invitation to educate yourself. Why deliver it when you can just campaign on it? You'll forgive me if I don't think about monetary policy. Well, we will assume that the nastiness is pretty low key tomorrow. Nobody wants to go out in negative form, you would say. I would think if it gets nasty with the election day, we will update the nasty tracker. We believe this is the final tally of the nastiest leader in this election. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> Trudeau takes the crown here officially with five official nasty moments. O'Toole comes in with four, and the other leaders never really got super nasty, except for the time where Blanchette tried to jump all over Anime Paul in the <laughs> in the debate, and she crushed him. That was cool. I really enjoyed that one. That was pretty awesome. I don't say that politically. I just say it because he was trying to be a jerk and she just let him have it. So there was some really great moments through this election. I am thoroughly impressed. It didn't get as nasty as I thought it would. I thought for sure a nasty tracker would be off the charts for counting. Mm-hmm. But overall, there's uh, there's that. The, the only thing that was strange about the nasty tracker is when Trudeau said to that one guy, which, by the way, who was brutally inappropriate about protesting at a hospital, um, I would have no problem if you give him a comeback at all. No nasty for that. But saying you should, shouldn't you be protesting in a hospital? That was inappropriate. And he did get a free pass when he did insult the, um, the uh, protesters who threw rocks at him because come on, it's not kindergarten. Let's not throw rocks. It's the shift podcast. Alrighty, it's time for us to take a little break from all the politics and have a little bit of fun with a segment we like to call, Are You Okay? Ooh, you know what I didn't do, Ryan O'Donnell? What? Open up sound effects. You know, just in case. Oh, you got to have them ready because it could be a many different thing that you could have to, you know, create some theater of the mind. What if there's typos? Stuff like that. There's going to be typos. I was going to say many a different thing. We we all know. (laughs) Many different things. Are you okay with elephants? 
Yes. I like elephants. Yeah, I like elephants. Yeah, I really like elephants. In the wild. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little weird seeing a giant animal like an elephant at a zoo. You know what's even weirder, though? I went to a friend's house, and they had an elephant foot stool. Like, it was a stool you sit on with a real elephant hood, like foot. Oh, with like, no. And it, no, it had the hair real. still on it. Yes, it no. was. They hunted it. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. It's illegal. Oh. What? That's like, oh, no. got to be terribly illegal. It was like they, no, they got it officially. Like, it was something, it was an elephant it? that died yeah. on a reserve in Africa. Were you at Donald yeah. Trump Jr.'s house? Like, no, no, no. It was real. Guys, it was like, it was not, and it was the only stool available. It was at a party. It was like, right, you can sit on that one. I went, I'll sit on the ground. It's weird. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't do it. No, I couldn't do that at all. He just gave me shivers. I love the elephants. I would love to go volunteer at an elephant reserve at some point. I think that's really cool. I'm going to do it again just because I love it. Oh, I missed it. I was too loud that time. What's going on with my little sound effects? Is it this? No, it can't be that. Maybe I didn't set this up properly. Way to go, Shane. Sounds oh, like no. it. Yeah, I didn't set that up properly. I can, I can barely hear it. I'll just quiet. say, all right, let's, there's a um, typo, just point at me, and I'll just say, that's a typo like Homer Simpson. Oh, no, buddy. I'll fix this up. You don't worry. Here it is. <laughs> Damn it. Here it ah, is. There we go. All right. Yeah, uh, what if that elephant was a hairy giant and had massive tusks, like a woolly mammoth? Oh. They went extinct over 10,000 years ago, but not for a long question mark. A new startup says it's prepared to spend $15 million U.S. on the Jurassic Park-esque dream of reviving the long-dead woolly mammoth in hopes of one day restoring it to the tundra regions that it once called home. That sounds like a slippery slope to me. Here's more from Mm -hmm. NBC. Geoscientist George Church and his company Colossal trying to revive the extinct creature. Church says it'll take about six years to grow the mammoths in artificial wombs like this one. Then they'll be dropped into a park in Siberia to eat grass and tamp down snow. The company reports those activities could save the permafrost by preventing methane from escaping into the atmosphere. Woolly mammoths have been extinct for about 10,000 years. But as Dr. Ian McCallum warns, life finds a way. Aww. Well, actually, life doesn't find a way. Scientists are looking to play God. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that. If an animal died um, in the last 10 years because humans screwed it up somehow, okay, then maybe try it. But this was natural evolution, right? This was not something that the last one got run over by a bulldozer. Like, it didn't happen that way, right? There wasn't a yeah. poacher who picked up the last woolly mammoth. Well... Well, one of the reasons they died when extinct was warming climate was the number one, but also hunting. Oh, yeah. They so let's, re- let's bring them in today because that'll help. Yeah. So I, exactly. <laughs> I don't think now the Tasmanian uh, tiger is out of extinction now and, I, and that's back. But the dodo is still completely extinct. And we have enough DNA to maybe play with this. But I agree with you. I just don't. And the other thing that's really creepy about this is that if they managed to like get the DNA right, the woolly mammoth, the first one born, would have to be born through an Asian elephant. And woolly mammoths are bigger, which means an Asian elephant would give birth to a different species, which is That's really weird, weird and grosses me weird. out. 
That's weird. I don't know, man. I don't know if that's cool. I, I'm all for science and stuff, but there's got to be a little bit of natural evolution things happening here. I mean, it's great. Let's be set the bar high for science, but yeah. let's like I don't know. feed everyone first before we, you know, start doing mm-hmm. things like this with science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is weird. Co-founders aim to produce mammoth elephant calves within within the next six years with the goal of establishing wild populations in northern Eurasia and North America in the future. The actual pregnancy might prove to be difficult. Um, elephant mother to carry a hefty mammoth fetus for 18 to 22 months. Now, elephants, babies do last for, I mean, they're in there for a long time. It takes a long time to grow 600 pounds, I guess. However big they are when they're born. Got to be pretty close. Anyway... Can we just all accept that having a baby elephant run around the house would be pretty awesome? Like, how cool is that? Oh, my God. It'd be so cute. And uh, baby, baby hippo, too. But only, right? like, I love baby hippos, but, man, the thing that they're scary. Oh, they <laughs> fling poo really bad. Hippo. You don't want the baby hippos. Yes. They fling they fling the poo. They waggle their tail and fling it all over. Um, but a baby elephant, I mean, could come sit on the couch with you, snuggle, Netflix and chill. That would be all right. I think that would be all right. They're cuddly. Have you ever watched some of those... Um, Nature reserves where they save the elephants and put them back into the into the um, packs again, so they can do that. No, into the no, pride. I haven't. They do it. Are they're all over Instagram. There's a couple of them, uh, a couple of really fantastic ones, and they show the babies getting fed bottles and saving them. There was a video from this week where they saved one that had fallen into a crater and tried to reacquaint uh, it back to the to the pride. Like it was quite remarkable. Neat stuff. Neat stuff. What people do. Are you okay? Are you okay with booze? Hell yeah. I'm going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> Collective Canada is going to need it. Yep. In moderation. And yes. I don't have to work for a very long time. The older I get now, it's got to be a couple of days off, really. Oh, really? Yeah, at this point. Okay, well, are you okay with booze that's a little on the stronger side? Ooh, have to be picky if it's brewed well. There's a really nice beer that's in like a bottle that looks like it's made of clay. I forget what it's called. It's got a pink elephant. That's 9% and that one's really good. Um, But my friend just got back from Texas and had absinthe, real absinthe. And it was a margarita. The way he described it to me was a margarita where the orange juice or anything like that to spice it up is just replaced with absinthe. And he said he couldn't even drink half of it before it was just done. So I stay away from that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. I I like the burn, good whiskey burn, right? I like that. I think as I Definitely. become aged, um, yeah, no, it's more of a thing of the past for me. Yeah. Like, I can't even. Man, I even, can't drink anymore. I can now. Yeah. My even name's when, Brendan. Yeah, when I'm out Get now, my lawn. friends are like, "Let's do shots." I'm like, "I can't anymore. Just Keep give me a, down. give me a lager." And Where's my yeah. cane? Exactly. Okay. Well, if you are, there's great news for you. If you're a fan of the stronger side of the boozy. Once in a 20-year event, Samuel Adams has released its most expensive, most limited, and strongest beer. It's so strong that it's banned in 15 states in the United States. It's called Utopias. Here's more from CBS Boston. 
Sam Adams is adding even more spirit to its brew. Sam Adams Utopia has 28% alcohol by volume so strong it's illegal in 15 states, including New Hampshire, which makes nothing illegal. It's legal in Massachusetts, though. It's described as extreme. It's aged more than 20 years in wooden bourbon casks. Bottles will be available starting October 11th for a cool $240. Oh. So they started this 20 years ago. They started making this. And like now we're just finally getting to try it. I'm going to give you one of these, by the way, for that story. That's a typo. Because she's called it Utopia. So. No, she's she said it wrong. That's not. That's that's the wrong. She it's was wrong. wrong. I she was, was on wrong. TV. I, if it's on TV, it's true. Yeah. If it's on, that's true. That I. Hey, good point. But uh, when it comes to a nice brew, I take this very very seriously, and very seriously. Uh, I want to try this really bad. Huh. I said it's $240. Really? 240 bucks for a bottle of uh for a bottle of Sam Adams. Interesting. Interesting. Um I don't know, it seems like a lot for a beer. And Samuel Adams is it really like such a fantastic right? Yeah, I don't it's a it's an it's okay. It's not terrible. It's very it's very hmm. Baston. I am uh, being in BC now. I am now a complete local craft brew snob, so we yeah. don't get anything from the big chain, big brew. That's what like everybody that. in BC does. Exactly. Yes, that's right. true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Every time you go there, you go to like the list of the the brewery list. That's all it is. It's very cool. Thank you for the text message. By the way, I called the elephants a pride. It's actually a parade. Appreciate that. All right, 877-399-9898. Um, we're talking about beer in the States being banned in 15 of the States. It's called Utopias. Ryan says it's Utopias. I don't think it's plural. Uh, good news, though. It is perfectly legal in Canada. Why would it be legal in Canada? Men of beer, we got strong beer. And better beer, I'd say, safe to say. Yes, absolutely. Uh, now, if you're wondering what this tastes like, this Utopia's, a uh, man claiming to be the Alabama boss tried this stuff the last time it was up for sale 20 years ago, and this is a little taste test. That smells just like some homemade wine that I bought from a guy that lives on a dirt road, and he didn't charge $200 a bottle. You get it in like an old 7-Up jug, and it's 10 bucks. Give you the screaming shit, but it gets you there. All right, I'm ready to try this, baby. Looks thick. Ooh, it's good. I mean, it's, it, it, I, honest to God, it tastes like homemade wine. I swear to God, I can bring a bottle in tomorrow, it tastes just like it. I mean, it's gonna give me the shit I know it is. I ain't worried about getting drunk, I'm worried about shit on the side of the interstate. Wow. Uh. <laughs> That guy's pretty funny. I know. Uh, uh, America. That's pretty funny. All right. So the average content in beer is about 5% in Canada. Do you know what it is in the States? Is it lower like as a number, Rye? Uh, off the top of my head, I know it is lower. I know it is. I think it's about... I think yeah, most, three, if, if the beer in Canada is at 5, I think in the States it's closer to 4.5. Hmm. Well, that makes a big difference. Average uh, specialty beers have gained in popularity in Brendan's life and for everybody oh, yeah. on the West Coast. <laughs> Craft breweries, I mean, they're everywhere now. I think it's cool. I think it's they really kind of cool. They are. Um, I am. Uh, I love. 
and I've learned to love a lot of it. Like I didn't like IPAs before coming out to BC, but now you, they're everywhere, so you got to learn to like it. The one that's not selling me right now is the sours. I just I can't with the sours. I can't do the meals. I like the ones that are are refreshing, right? Really light, refreshing, thirsty drinks. That these ones where you have to like chew it and it's like a meal. Mm. Can't do it, man. You don't like a Guinness? Mm-hmm. Like nothing, something like that? Oh, bread in a can. I oh, I like it. Guinness. Like Guinness is fine <laughs> once a year for me. What? <laughs> yeah. I will say, sorry, I looked it up. Yeah, the average in America is closer to 4.6, 4.2. So it, it is a little bit stronger up here. So over the course of one, 10, half a beer, 4.2. I guess over the course of a six-pack, you're basically kind of getting an extra beer in. Pretty close. Yeah. Rough yeah. numbers. Quick Maybe maths. that's why we pay three times as much. Nope. That's just all taxes. God love Canada. Are you okay? Are you okay with going to Walmart? No, not at all. Really. It. No, I it's just it. guys full of yeah. just cheap garbage and they barely pay their employees. No, I'm just like, Walmart is the bane of my existence. I despise it. I love Pop it. Off. Damn. I'm okay with it. I mean, when I was a kid, man. Well, I mean, it was so bad when I was a kid, guys. I'd walk in and I'd look up because, you know, you could see the signs hanging from the rafters and I would just look for the toy section and just go, bye, mom. And I'd come back and then she'd yep. meet me there and I'd be holding a Lego set praying that this is the one time she'd let me take one home. Yep. Yeah. Oh, 2019 was good times, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That did happen in 2019. I'm, I'm just going to fully admit that did happen in 2019. I had just had a breakup and I walked into the Walmart. My mom went to go get something and then I came back and I was like, oh, I bought some Lego. That's fun. I, I remember well when I was a kid, this is a throwback for many people, would be going into Kmart and going to the toy section exactly as Ryan described and looking at all the toys. Even better than that, though, was when there was the blue light special. And if that blue light, so there was like a blue police light in a shopping cart. And if that blue light was on by the toy section, it was like Eddie Murphy and the ice cream man. Like, ice cream man's coming! Like, you were running to go see what the blue light special was yeah. at Kmart back in the day. Oh, Kmart was the best. I think of it very fondly. <sighs> okay, um, what about having... To go to Walmart. Okay, we already did that part. Uh, now, that's a very weird possible. What about Walmart without having... To, oh, what about Walmart without having to go to Walmart? There we go. Now, we this is it. a very weird possibility as Walmart is teaming up with Ford to begin testing the home delivery of groceries and other items by self-driving cars in three cities this year. Uh, you know, this that, is, it makes sense what? to me. Like, two no. things that fall apart easily. <laughs> I had to get that in there. That was a heck of a Ford burn. My goodness. Okay, uh, here's more from HLN. All right, so the next time you order something from Walmart, if you live in a certain city, it could be delivered in a driverless car. So Walmart is teaming up with Ford and Argo AI. They're testing self-driving delivery in three cities, Miami, D.C., Austin and Texas, um, Austin, Texas, rather. So those three cities. So once the car pulls up in front of your home, the door pops open. You have to go out and get your order. So right now, Walmart is only testing it with a half a dozen driverless vehicles. So they're going to see if it works out in those three major cities. Um, but two trained test drivers will be in the car for safety. The retailer plans to expand it to other cities if it does work out. 
You know what sucks about Walmart's website, though? I'm going to call it out. Is the you can't you got to sort like is it in store? Is it in your store? Is it a third party vendor? You can't yeah. find out easily if it's in your store. So if you if you're a Walmart boss and you hear that, you guys got to clean that up. Okay, uh, Ford and the AI company behind the tech are all hoping. Also hoping to launch a fleet of self-driving lift cars for next year. According to the New York Times in 2019, Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, said his company would have 1 million self-driving taxis on the road by 2020. Note, 2021 now. But it's yet to demonstrate vehicles that can pilot themselves without humans behind steering wheels. Uh, that's interesting. Absolutely. That report was from HLN, by the way, which I had no idea they still did news. Mostly shows about murder. Who knew? This is the Shift Podcast. It is time for In Case You Missed It with Ryan O'Donnell. In case you missed it on the radio, here's four easy payments. O'Donnell. Ding. I like that one. Four easy payments, O'Donnell. That's that actually good. not far off. Not far off at all, my friends. Okay. Man, election day. I want to I want to I want to dive into something really quickly before we move mm. on to some of the stories you definitely missed because there's an election going on so we all forget about it. Voter turnout as we talked about earlier in the shift is a, usually a lot lower than uh any other demographic of Canadians. But this year, especially from my experience and what I've known from my friends and other just random people online, there seems to be a lot more of a motivation to get out and vote. There's a real feeling that we need to vote because our votes matter really. And I mean, my, my demographic, my generation, I mean, we grew up in a really weird time to grow up uh, post nine 11 financial crash after financial crash. We've been through a lot young and we've seen a lot. And I think we're starting to hit this age where we really want our voices to truly be heard because we're starting to really have the experience of what the consequences of, of what we were brought up in are. And so there's policies that governments are, are proposing and, and these candidates are proposing that are attractive. But the problem is, how do you, you know, make yourself appealing? Jagmeet Singh has obviously done his due on, on TikTok and the other leaders are doing other things. Uh, but I found this clip. It's part of the story from earlier in the shift with the youth votes. And I really want you to hear this young guy talking about Trudeau and also a little bit of a highlight of how the election candidates have tried to capture my demographics vote. Let's hear it. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau and conservative leader Aaron O'Toole prefer photo ops, while NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is hoping for a youth uprising. <laughs> By being the only candidate on TikTok. Yeah. Who do you think is the most charismatic? Probably just just Trudeau. He's like a young guy that we can kind of like connect with rather than like the older other candidates, I guess. He's actually the oldest one. Yeah, he's the oldest. Yeah, Justin Trudeau's the oldest one. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Actually, because he's like on TikTok too. He does all those videos. Reaching young voters is one thing, but walking away with their vote is quite another. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? Interesting, hey. Yeah. So Trudeau's interesting that to... they think that he's the uh, that he's the youngest when he's actually yeah. older than, you know, and that's worth mentioning that Trudeau is older than Aaron O'Toole and Jagmeet Singh. Yeah, it's the hair. I mean, we all know that. It's two years the older, hair by the way. And the jawline. Yeah. 
But uh, I want to leave before we get out of the election talk. I want to leave you with something. No matter who is prime minister at the end of the day tomorrow, I think we as Canadians can be actually take one incredible thing away from this election. And that is that we are in a better position than ever to hold our elected officials accountable for their actions. And that cannot be forgotten. Because if we find ourselves in this situation again, and we haven't held the government to account for their actions, then we only have ourselves to blame. So seriously, take the optimism, everything you've learned, everything that we have tried to share with you on the shift, everything that you've heard from the amazing people we've had on, that we are going to hold them into account, whatever it is, good or bad. So take that away. That's what I'm going to try to take into the ballot box tomorrow. And uh, as soon as the votes are all counted. That's great advice, Ryan. Very well said. I mean, the reality is, is that you need to, we all need to do better. I mean, we sit here and wait for the government to fix it. Mm-hmm. And we as Canadians need to take action and, and, and get things done. You know, we, we often climb all over people for protesting this or protesting that. Yes, an awful lot of the protest conversation has been quite dreadful in the location and agenda behind it. But the reality is, is we do need to be more squeaky wheel in this country to make sure that these elected officials understand that a lot of the decisions that are being made are not okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's certainly the main thing I've taken away from this entire mm-hmm. campaign. Okay. Let's talk about an even bigger dumpster fire than this election. Ooh, wow. Jeopardy. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, this show, man. Why did it have to be jeopardy of all the television shows to be wrapped up in scandal and crap? It's the most wholesome and simple of them all. The saga continues. The story of intrigue and deception and scandal. Yes, of course, it's Jeopardy. Ah, man, where to begin? Well, obviously, uh, the easy point is when Alex Trebek passed away tragically from cancer. The show started to run through a list of guest hosts, all of them doing a great job. No question there. Uh, They landed on Mike Richards as their permanent host. And then this happened. In a memo to the Jeopardy staff, Richards announced he was stepping down just nine days after he was named the surprise replacement for the beloved Alex Trebek. Over the last several days, it has become clear that moving forward as host would be too much of a distraction for our fans and not the right move for the show, he says. I will be stepping down as host effective immediately. As a result, we will be canceling production today. How big a deal is this? I mean, this is a tremendous deal. It's a debacle. It's an embarrassment. Richard's downfall follows the revelation that he made insensitive past comments about women, Jews, and poor people during a podcast he hosted in 2014. In this clip, he had an exchange about nude photos on a co-worker's phone. Okay, let me ask you a question. Have you ever taken a nude picture? I'm not answering that question to you, Mike Richards. Answer it right now to your fans. (laughs) Have you? I mean, I've... I haven't. Yes, you have. I have not like naked. I've taken like cute pictures of myself. Like booby pictures? Oh, oh God, Mike, no. Hey, you know, Mike got raving reviews when he guest hosted. People loved what he was doing, but man, that was, uh, they weren't loving that. So obviously, Mike steps down. Then he was go- he went back to being the executive producer of the show, and then he just got fired. So now they have to rehire that. However, Mayim Bialik, 
was also hired to be sort of the host of uh, less, more primetime shows and some other side things. But is that still the case? Is she now the permanent host? Well, we now have an answer. We now have an answer of who will at least be the host until the end of this year. Mayambe Alec will split the job with Ken Jennings. Do you guys remember Ken Jennings? He was the guy that kind of broke the formula of Jeopardy. He understood how to win and play the game. And he is the highest. Yeah. Very, and he is the highest winning, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, contestant of all time on American television. He, $4.5 million he won on Jeopardy alone, which is ridiculous. Uh, and when he guest hosted, he was really cool. And he paid tribute, and he did a really great job. And I, I want to share this clip with you. This is Ken Jennings. Thank you, Johnny Gilbert. Thank you, everyone. Welcome to Jeopardy. You know, sharing this stage with Alex Trebek was one of the greatest honors of my life. Not many things in life are perfect, but Alex did this job pretty much perfectly for more than 36 years, and it was even better up close. We were dazzled by his intelligence, his charm, his grace. Really, there's no other word for it. Like all Jeopardy fans, I miss Alex very much, and I thank him for everything he did for all of us. Let's be totally clear, no one will ever replace the great Alex Trebek, but we can honor him by playing the game he loved. Jim, Tanay, Julia, welcome to the show. So, I mean, you can tell he gets choked up. He really cares. He loves this game. He got good reviews, and he knows the game best. So this is it. Mayan Bialik, the former uh, actor on Big Bang Theory and also did a fantastic job hosting Jeopardy, will co-host the show, split the duties with Ken Jennings, until the end of this year. Now, other television things. The Emmys happened. I forgot those existed. The television award show. The, the, where all of Hollywood gets together and gives himself a pat on the back. Great job. Uh, but this year, man, I mean, I don't really know. If you weren't one of two shows, there wasn't really any reason for you to show up. Another award show was able to happen in L.A., and this time, it, yeah, it really was not a contest. That's because The Crown, the Netflix TV show about uh, the royal family, the Queen Elizabeth, uh, it won everything. Your Majesty, I think we have enough respect for one another personally to ask ourselves some of the bigger questions, woman to woman. We are the same age after all. Really? Just six months between us. Oh? And who is the senior? I am. Ma'am. Great show. I just started watching it. Uh, and I've only seen three episodes, but it's very good. Uh, and, uh, oh, the other show that won everything was Ted Lasso. This is a bit of news from the other side of the Atlantic. AFC Richmond announced the hiring of their new manager, American football coach Ted Lasso. You're an American who's now in charge of a football club, despite possessing very little knowledge of the game. Oh! I know that AFC Richmond is going to give you everything they got, win or lose. All tie. Right, y'all do ties here. Did you see that? He must be from England, yeah. Wales, is that another country? Yes and no. How many countries are in this country? Four. <laughs> it's such a wholesome show. Okay, so this is absurd. Outstanding, outstanding comedy series. 
Ted Lasso wins. Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series, Jason Sudeikis, for his performance in Ted Lasso. And we get more. Best Supporting Actor, Brett Goldstein, Ted Lasso. Uh, Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, Hannah Waddingham. Can you guess what show she was on? Ted Lasso. Best Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series, Dave Chappelle, Saturday Night Live. We got something different. But what about The Crown? Well, obviously, Drama Series, winner. Outstanding Lead Actor, Josh O'Connor, The Crown. Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series, Olivia Colman, The Crown. Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series, Tobias Menzies, The Crown. I I kid you not. You go through this list and it's like, why would you bother making any other television show? That's how much these shows won. It's crazy. And there was some complaints and uh, criticisms that no people of color won in any of the major categories. And that's because the two shows that are probably the whitest shows on television won everything. Take with that what you will. But that's just kind of how the Emmys went this year. Not to say that these shows aren't great. I will be finishing The Crown, mostly because I love the historical drama. And after watching that little snippet of Margaret Thatcher in The Crown, yeah, I think it's worth a watch. Have you guys uh, have you guys noticed something? The leaves are changing color. The wind is getting colder. The nights are getting longer. That can only mean one thing. Oh my God, it's coming. Sleigh bells ring. Yes. Are you listening? Yes, I know. You're probably dreading hearing that right now. We are now 96 days away from Christmas. I'm not one of those people that count, but we're only 50, 52 days away from Christmas in July. So we're getting very, very close here. Which is good. I feel like I've been on this show for almost a year now. Time is escaping me as I live. It's ridiculous. Here we are, regardless. It's colder, and while I love the winter most of the time i like i love i think seeing snow is beautiful it's very peaceful and i love looking out my window during the winter it's not exactly the best time of year for everybody winter can suck i mean aside from it being bitterly cold there are people who genuinely have a mental illness developed during this time of year and i know that many people suffer from this but there's some handy information i'm looking forward to sharing with you It's Seasonal Affective Disorder, which the acronym is SAD, which is is a thing. Experts are recommending that if you suffer from SAD, see, that just seems weird to say. If you suffer from Seasonal Affective Disorder, the best thing you can possibly do is to prepare for it right now. This is Global Shereem Samani, and she first helps us understand what this really is and why it happens in the winter. Once the winter hits, you really start to feel it. Margaret Eaton, the national CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association, is talking about seasonal affective disorder, also known as SAD. Start to feel depressed uh, when the sun disappears, the days get shorter, and then the condition is relieved in the spring. She says symptoms for SAD include long-lasting feelings of sadness, sleeping more but not feeling rested, increase in appetite, and changes in weight. If these symptoms persist for more than a couple of weeks, 
um, then you know that there's something very serious going on. According to the CMA, about 2-3% to of Canadians experience seasonal affective disorder. Eden says most people experience it between January and March, when it's darkest outside. So assessing the timing of the symptoms is key. The, the point about eating or being hungry all the time, but mainly sleeping more but not feeling rested, I know is a thing many people feel during the winter. You just constantly feel tired. And it's like the world around you is almost forcing you to feel tired. It's a bizarre feeling. And it, it's frustrating, that. right? Because you think you can sleep it off. I'm tired. I'll get some extra sleep tonight. But it just doesn't really work, does I it? I love it. I love it. It's the best. Winter's the best. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. No, I I, with you. I love winter. I I cannot wait to go up to Banff in the in the in the winter. I can't wait to. Uh, I I gotta be honest. My neighborhood is so beautiful. This place during Christmas, I can't wait. I'm more Halloween is closer. Which to <laughs> which to Dwayne's text in Calgary. Anyone who talks about Christmas before Halloween deserves an atomic wedgie. I actually agree with you. Uh, I'm still working on the Halloween costume, though. I'll provide an update when it's ready. In the meantime, though, so as we've talked about, not everybody can... uh, Winter is not easy for everybody, especially, obviously, the pandemic makes it way harder. But there's some actually really helpful tips. And I actually tried some of these out near the tail end of the winter last year. And I noticed a really quick fix from doing one of these things. I'm not saying it's going to work for you, but I am saying it's definitely worth a shot. Uh... You're about to hear some tips that I hope you find helpful. Chaudhary and Eden recommend getting more sunlight, spending time in nature, exercising, connecting with friends and family, self-care, light therapy, and reaching out for help. Becoming more accepting of accessing mental health when you need it, um, reaching out for support when you need it, normalizing that conversation. And to remember, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. She said light three times in that 20 second or so clip and that right there was my trick i found that obviously the days are longer and we work at nighttime so when you wake up at 11 30 in the morning and half the day is already gone really making sure that you can have at least like two hours where you're either outside or you're looking directly at light that's not coming from above you or you know in your home actually outside it's literally like a life force, man, like vitamin D, man. It's the stuff of legends. It's amazing. Thanks for listening to the shift podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, and curiouscast.ca. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.